Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. If you guys want to turn in your Bibles and follow along, I want to invite you to flip to Esther chapter 8. Anybody read this week? Yeah? It's pretty, pretty good stuff. Um, it's... There's a lot of poetic justice uh, in the book of Esther, uh, and we get to really see some of that come to fruition uh, in an interesting and powerful way this week. All right, verse 1 says, that same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king. For Esther had told how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold scepter to Esther, and she arose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, she said, and he regards me with favor, and thinks it the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, devised, an order to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther, and they have impaled him upon the pole he set up. Now he wrote another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews, as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. At once the royal secretaries were summoned. On the 23rd day of the third month, the month of Sivan, they wrote out Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps and to the governors and the nobles of the 127 provinces, stretching from India to Cush. These orders were written in the script of each province and the language of each people, and also the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring, and sent them by mounted couriers, who rode fast horses, especially bred for the king. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text was 
of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large blue crown and purple robe of fine linen, and the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. And in every province, in every city to which the edict of the king had come, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with feasting and celebrating, and many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. Let God continue to bless our service as we worship Him. Scoot. Yeah, fifth grade and under. No, you're all good. Morning, church. Oh, how are we doing today? Sleepy. Yeah, I saw Lewis look like he was having a little snooze there during prayer time. You guys up partying last night? Oh, man. They had relatives in from out of town, from what I heard, right? Yeah. So they were busy entertaining. (laughs) Glad to have you here this morning. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. So Esther, how you guys been liking the book so far? Great, good stuff, yeah? It's, it's always nice to see the bad guy who is so clearly and obviously a bad guy get his just desserts. Uh, and so that's something really satisfying about going through the book of Esther. We see that the guy who is chasing after God's people, trying to hurt them, trying to afflict them, trying to kill them, end up getting everything that he wanted turned on him. And we see that the king, because of Esther stepping out in faith, the king gives his blessing over her desires to preserve God's people. That's awesome. So my little name for today's sermon was God provides with a good word. Because there was a proclamation made. There was a legal claim put out there saving God's people. And for them, it would have been a good word. Let's pray before we get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is good. We thank you for the way that you seek to protect your people. We thank you for your love and your mercy. And we pray that you encourage us to step out in faith, like Esther did, an hour everyday lives. Pray that you'd give me the words to say and that it would touch our hearts and challenge us to grow. In your name we pray. Amen. The clicker works better when you turn it on. 
So we're going to start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. It says, the same day King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told him how she was related to him. And the king took off his signet ring, which is a symbol of power, and he'd reclaimed that from Haman and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. So Mordecai has got the, king, has got the keys to Haman's place. It was repossessed by the king. He was killed, and because the king pretty much owned everything, he was like, here, you can have this dead guy's stuff. And Esther shifted it over to her cousin Mordecai. So Mordecai has now got the keys to Haman's place. But not only does he have the keys to Haman's place, he's also got, to an extent, the keys to the kingdom. That signet ring was a big deal. So if you think of a signet or a crest, those were often used back in ye olden times to seal envelopes. You would get the wax and you would melt it and you would put it on the back of the envelope to seal it. And your signet ring would have your family crest or your logo or some form of, of signature identifying or tying it to you, your family, your clan, your business. And you would squish it in the, max, the wax while it was still melted and you'd pull it out and then there would be like that little logo that would represent you. The king gave his signet ring to Mordecai. He was given the power to be a ghostwriter for the king, to write things and stamp it and sign it in the king's name. Kind of like how, you know, if you write a letter to the White House, you get a letter written back, and it's signed by the president, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's stamped. Whether somebody else was given a signature or whether they've got an actual rubber stamp version of his thing, the president does not have time to read. Uh, I'm sorry if this breaks your hearts and you wrote the president a letter when you were in like fourth grade and you got so excited when you got a reply, but the president did not read your letter unless you wrote something really earth-shattering. And even then, I kind of still doubt it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe if you got bored. Yeah, because... Unfortunately, I don't think most of our presidents have the chronicles read to them when they're sleepless at night, or, or uh, you know, the psalm that never ends, as I like to call it, Psalm 119. So Mordecai was given the power to sign things in the king's name, and Haman, instead of having any power, was now being killed on the very thing he set up to have Mordecai killed. So everything that was Haman's, his power, his authority, and even his home was repossessed by the king and given over to Mordecai, the enemy of Haman in his mind. Now, Mordecai didn't really do anything wrong. Haman was just really jealous and angry. He felt shorted. He felt slighted because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to Haman. And that was really his whole beef throughout the book. So God provided shelter 
for his people, a literal shelter in this case, right? He was given a home, but he was also given shelter in another way, right? That decree was signed. Now, we're going to get into the decree in a little bit here, but before we get to that, there's one more step that we don't want to overlook. Esther had to ask the king for something else, right? She was given the banquet, and Haman was taken care of. She identified him as the guy who was trying to kill her and all of her people, all of her family. But no other protective measures were taken to preserve her people at this point. So she gave the king the puppy dog eyes. Now this is my puppy dog, and she's not allowed on the furniture. That's how, that's how it goes at my house. Uh, she does climb on the couch when I'm in the shower. I can tell. Uh, I caught her once or twice, but she's smart enough. She hears me coming down the stairs, and she hops off the couch because she knows she's not allowed to be there. But there's a wrinkled spot that's like slightly curved, and the couch is warm, and neither of the cats are there. So I know it was her. I know. What the heck? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, she is cuckoo, huh? Yeah. Well, she knows she's not allowed on the couch. So if I'm sitting on the couch, she does this thing where she walks up and she sits right at my feet and she puts her chin on top of my knee to try and get my attention so that I will pet her and give her the love and affection she deserves. And so she gives me these puppy dog eyes. I know all about puppy dog eyes. I also have a girlfriend and she's good at giving me those too. <laughs> I do let her sit on the couch, yes. <laughs> that was a good one. So she gives him the puppy dog eyes. It says that she was like begging and pleading and she was crying. She says, if it pleases the king and he regards me with favor and thinks it's the right thing to do and if he is pleased with me. So she really, really is, is pouring it on thick here. She's wanting to make sure that the king is given the sort of respect that a king expects. Because the kings expected a lot. They were the king after all, right? And this is the guy who was partying for, you know, what was it, six months straight? Just straight up partying? Um, and then when the queen didn't do exactly what he wanted, he gave her the boot and then found a new queen. So she was making sure that she was asking as politely as possible, giving as much respect to the king as possible. And then she asks, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, the son of Hamath... Uh, uh, yeah, I said it earlier. Hamathah, yeah, there we go, Hamathah, yeah. I got so distracted by his name. The Agagite devised to write, uh, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. So, I don't know if you guys remember, but in the story of Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel gets thrown in the den by the king because of something he had written. And the king really loved Daniel. The king didn't want Daniel to be in the lion's den. And he was looking and he was trying to figure out a way to reverse that to get his buddy Daniel out of the lion's den. But he couldn't. Do you remember why he couldn't? 
Yeah, you can't reverse the decrees of the king. So if you notice, if you look real close, she didn't say, I want you to remove or repeal your decree. She says, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman wrote. So when Haman asked the king for permission, she wasn't saying, you know, hey king, you made a mistake, you goofed up. She said, hey, that Haman guy, he was bad news. Why don't we just get rid of all the stuff that he wrote? This was about saving face. Now, I put him up there because, so that is Johnny Depp. And if you guys are at all in any way, shape, or form familiar with the news of the last six months, we had the O.J. Simpson trial of my generation. <laughs> it, was, it was on the news every day for months on end, and it was all about trying to figure out whether or not this guy had beat his wife. And there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of drama and a lot of ridiculousness, and it just dragged on and on and on. But the whole point was trying to save face, was why he was on trial. He was being accused of these things, and he was trying to justify himself because he'd lost out on movie deals, he'd been written out of contracts and things because of these accusations. And his reputation was permanently damaged. The reason that the kings didn't pull back old laws that they had made was because that would be admitting publicly that they had made a mistake. And they're the king. They're not going to publicly admit that they made a mistake. They'd rather chop somebody else's head off and blame them. Yeah, I know. Kings were allowed to do that. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have a king too. We still have taxation without representation, though, so I don't know. <laughs> so the whole point was saving face, because you don't want to make the king angry, right? An angry king is not something that's good for your health. You want to keep the king happy. And so when she worded this request, she made sure that it was in a way that preserved the king's dignity. She didn't say, King, you really screwed up this one. She said, let's get rid of all of the stuff that that Haman guy wrote. But she only was given what she asked for when she stepped out in faith. If she hadn't stepped out in faith, the story would have ended differently, at least for her. Now, I love something that Mordecai said a few chapters back. He said, if you don't step out in faith in this time and in this season, God will make a way to protect his people. It just won't be through you, and it's not going to end well for you. But because she stepped out in faith, she was preserved, her family was preserved, and her people were preserved. We all have circumstances in our life where we need to step out in faith, where we might need to say something that's mildly uncomfortable. You might have to have a hard discussion with a loved one or an awkward discussion with a coworker. 
But sometimes that's what stepping up and standing up for your faith looks like. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. Esther had to go before the king multiple times to ask just to save her family and her people's lives. And she could have been killed for asking if the king had been in a bad mood or didn't think that her dress was looking pretty enough. He didn't have to raise his scepter. He could have let her die. For us, we might feel a little bit like dying if we have an awkward conversation in public. But it's not life or death circumstances. I want to encourage you guys to step out in faith. Now this edict that gets passed is very important. And to me it sounded weird the first time I read it. Until I'd poured over it and read some commentaries that kind of pointed back to it, I was confused by this edict. It says, The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children, and to plunder the property of their enemies. When I read that the first time, my brain thought that they were essentially given rights to be pirates. And I thought, why would, why would Esther ask for that? Why would Mordecai ask for that? That seems kind of silly. Um, that doesn't really seem like something that God would want for his people, to go out and kill and plunder and steal from other people. But the next verse is where it gets specific and where it gets important. It says, the day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the province of the king of Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. This was about home defense. That's why I put up the silly little video I had earlier. This was not about giving them permission to go out and steal things from their enemies or to hurt other people. It was about home defense because what Haman had asked for was one day where it was free reign to go out and slaughter all of the Jews. And so this edict was for that same day. This edict was for the 13th day of the 12th month. This edict was so that the Jews could protect themselves if somebody didn't get the memo that they weren't allowed to be hunted anymore. Or if somebody wanted to go out and hurt them on that day anyway. You know, maybe one of Haman's buddies wanted some revenge. Or his brother. This gave them the right to stand up for themselves and for their families on that day that had originally been appointed to slaughter them and defend themselves. And if somebody came in and broke into their home and tried to kill them, they would also be allowed to plunder that individual, just as they would have done to the Jews. So it wasn't about them being given free reign to go out and be pirates and, and you know just do whatever they wanted. It was about protecting themselves if they were attacked.
I think that this shows that God is following through on his promises. Does anyone remember the covenant that God made with Abraham? Yeah. Kenny said that God promised Abraham that he would make his descendants as numerous as the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky. If all of your descendants are slaughtered in a day, pretty hard to pretty hard to look at that and think, wow, look at all my descendants, right? God protected his people, just like he promised that he would. Now, that doesn't mean that on that day they were delivered. They were still in captivity. They were still under the reign of another king who wasn't Jewish. They weren't free to be in their own place, have their own temple, and have their own king. But they were protected. God preserved his people. He preserved his promise with Abraham. And he looks out for each and every one of us. They were protected not only because someone stepped out in faith, but because God promised they would be. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it was easy. There might have been some people who had to stay at home and fight that day. They might have still faced some persecution or some prejudice. Because I have a feeling that Haman probably didn't hate and want to kill all of the Jews just because of one guy. That seems a little bit extreme. There were probably some other prejudices he had in his heart. Whether it was because they didn't look like him or speak the same language as him or whether it was a religion thing. It's hard to be so mad at one people that you want to try and kill an entire race of people or an entire religion of people. So I have a feeling there was something more going on there. They might have still faced some hard times in their day-to-day lives. And if they were serious about their faith, they were probably sad that they weren't back in Jerusalem with their own king. They probably longed for that. And if we look at the cycle of the Old Testament, where the Jews followed the Lord closely, and then they made a mistake, and then God punished them, and then they repented, they were then delivered after they repented. And then we would see that happen over and over again. So at this point, they were in the punishment phase, before their repentance and deliverance. They were in the hard phase. But faith grows when it's hard. I want to encourage you guys this morning. If you don't have a close personal faith with the Lord, if you aren't seeking to grow on a regular daily basis, I want to encourage you to step out in faith. 
I want to encourage you to take that step forward. It might feel awkward. It might feel hard. But our king is gracious. And he will extend his scepter. He wants to hear what you have to say. He isn't up there looking for people to strike down with lightning. You know, like they see in the cartoons. That's not God. Our God is loving and gracious. And he is just to forgive. That means not only does he want to forgive you, but he has the power and the right and the ability to do so. And he wants to. Because we've all made mistakes. We've all said bad things when we've stubbed our toe or, you know, had a day where we weren't feeling patient with our family members. Or maybe we were thinking and acting on some bad thoughts. We've all made mistakes. And God made a sacrifice to cover for each and every one of them. And all you've got to do is step out in faith and ask for forgiveness. He wants to give you shelter and protection. And he wants to show you his goodness and that he will keep his promises. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the way that you protect your people for the way that you protect us and love us, that you care for each and every one of us, and that you sent Jesus to cover, to atone for our sins, to make us clean so that we can live with you under the protection of your wings, and that all we have to do is step out in faith and ask. We lift these things up in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.